Well, again, we're starting a sermon series, The Bread of Life. If, if uh, In this particular sermon, uh, beginning as we start, is uh, focused on fresh bread. So uh, we are looking at the fresh bread that Jesus provides. If you would turn to John chapter 6, looking at verses 25 through 35 as we continue um, in this sermon series uh, this morning. When I first uh, visited First Baptist Church Valdez, which is where Sarah and I first served in ministry, uh, I knew it was the place to go. And you want me to tell you why? Because as we pulled into the city limits, we smelled this aroma that was intoxicating. No, it was not Bojangles, sorry. <laughs> We smelled the, the smell of fresh bread. And if you've ever been in a community that has a bakery, uh, it is intoxicating. Uh, that fresh bread, just baking as we drove through the streets, it really, it really got our, our, uh, our mouths watering and our stomachs growling. And, and Sarah and I suddenly began to get hungry. And so uh, we actually did stop off and get us a little something to eat before we had our first interview, our first meeting with them. Uh, but it was, uh, again, we were sold. Uh, they didn't have to give us much of a, of a selling uh, sales pitch. But that fresh bread developed a hunger. It drew us in and made us crave to fill our bellies with, uh, with that food. Now contrast that with bread that, makes, uh, that may not be uh, so fresh, Fred, uh, bread that you get from the grocery store that maybe has lost a little bit of that scent. Uh, and worse, maybe bread that has been sitting in the pantry for a little too long. Uh, or maybe even bread that you pulled out of the refrigerator because you were trying to make it last that a little extra long, longer, a little look a few extra days. Or contrast that with what happened when I left my Bojangles biscuit on the counter when I went off for vacation a couple of, you know, about, about a month ago. Uh, came back and that biscuit was no longer nice and brown and golden. It was green and black and molded. It did not look like a biscuit. Um, was not very. I didn't even open the bag. I just threw immediately threw it away. I mean, it just looked disgusting. But if I had opened the bag, trust me, there would be no pleasant aromas that would be attracting me to any places. I can tell you that, except for maybe the bathroom if I ate it. There is another kind of bread that draws us in and makes us crave more and more, and it's the fresh bread of the Spirit, and it comes by way of Jesus Christ, and it continues to intoxicate us by the fragrance of the Holy Spirit. We are going to start this sermon series this morning and take a closer look at this fresh bread, this bread of life. Now, Jesus, we know, is the only one that can satisfy the hunger that we have, the spiritual hunger that we have. He is the very nourishment of our entire being. And we start today by learning about how this fresh bread from heaven continues and how it remains. Verse 25 uh, segues to discuss the crowds who were desperately looking for Jesus and they have finally found him here uh, after they have passed over the lake. Now this is again coming off of the first 15 verses of chapter 6. 
in which the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is found. And, and I think what has, has happened, what has taken place, is they have seen Jesus perform this miracle, take this loaf of bread and multiply it for 5,000 people. And they want a little bit more of what he might be providing. They probably believe if they have, if they provided, if, if this man can provide this much, what could he do with this or what could he do with that? They probably have their own desires for why they want to meet uh, Jesus. Maybe some of them want them, uh, him to come and multiply uh, their, their budget. Maybe he, he wants them to come home and multiply their local gardens. Who knows what particular reason each individual has found him, but there has been a group of people, they have been looking for him, and they have found him. Now, Jesus performs the miraculous sign that revealed, at the very least, to the people in verse 14, that he was a great prophet, as the word tells us. Like anyone who would have witnessed such a miracle, this crowd has now come, and they want more. Just like that that smell of fresh bread when we drive through the streets of Valdez gets our stomachs growling. Jesus draws in the crowd of the people with spiritual emptiness. However, we all have heard the saying that you can lead a horse to the trough, but you can't make him drink. Well, verse 26 points out that they did not come on the basis of the signs themselves, but to simply fill their bellies like some animal might would do. Jesus provided the miraculous sign not to simply fill their bellies, but to reveal who he was and exactly what he came to provide. And that's the point that they failed to, uh, to grasp. And even in their dialogue that we see from the passage we've just read a few moments ago, they still don't quite get it. They don't fully understand exactly what kind of feel he has come to provide them with. There are many who have fallen prey to individuals that have perverted the gospel message to preach that coming to Christ will give you nothing but prosperity, nothing but more. There, there are individuals out there, even today, preaching. You could turn and flip on the channels. You'll find, a, I know you'll find a couple at least. Or you could go out into the uh, Charlotte, greater Charlotte area. I'm sure you could find a couple of churches where if you walked in today, the sermon, the, the message that would be preached would be, you come to Jesus and he's going to give you more. He's going to give you whatever you want. Just ask and, he, uh, and you will receive. Jesus is teaching against this belief in some ways here in the text. He is pointing out to them that they have not reflected on the spiritual significance on what Jesus had exactly done with the 5,000, but only rather with the physical and the material. And look, we, we don't have to look very far in our society and our culture today to see how how much of a trouble, how, how much of a struggle it is with materialism. There is a call within Scripture, if we are truly reflective, not to give up all material things, but to give up the love and desire for anything material. After all, 
again, reflect on that teaching that Jesus uh, gives in Matthew's Gospel. I think it's chapter 6 when he's talking about uh, anxiety and he's talking about worry. And he says, worry, uh, do, do not let uh, worry about tomorrow, let tomorrow worry about itself. And he talks about the birds of the air and he talks about the lilies of the field. And he talks about how, again, they're clothed and, and how they're fed and how they're provided for. So he's not speaking against uh, the provision itself, uh, the material things that we need as people. He is speaking on the love of such things, on the worship of such things, of putting such things, the, such possessions, those material things ahead of the spiritual needs that we have. Following Christ has got to be a focus on Him and not the earthly possessions or material desires we might have. See, the crowds were in danger here, of, or really not were, they, 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 they did, they executed the danger of seeing only bread in the sign instead of seeing the sign in the bread. And the main need for realizing the spiritual truth is that earthly food will rot and decay. Even Jesus, very early on in his dialogue with these, this crowd of people, says to them, uh, do not get focused on food that will rot or that will uh, fade away. Uh, and, and the truth is, is, it, is that Bojangles biscuit, as it was rotting on my counter for a week, is not the only kind of thing that will be rotten and decayed. Even the food we put in our bodies will eventually rot. If we had left it on the counter, it would eventually have rotten. Even though we might have eaten when it was fresh, it will eventually rot. Even when it goes into our bodies and passes through, we won't talk about what happens after that, but it, it's not a very pleasant uh, thought. The main need for realizing the truth that is found here in the fresh bread that God provides that through Jesus Christ is that he offers them something that will not rot, that will not fade away, that will last for eternal. If people will seek this food, they will receive eternal life, their eternal field, something that will fill them up, and leave them hungry no more. Sarah got me watching a couple years ago the Food Network, uh, mainly because every time I would come in the room, she'd have it on that channel. So I might get a little stuck on watching it. And, and so one night I was channel surfing, and I kind of stopped on the Food Network, and I was watching Guy Ferrari. He was uh, doing his little show, uh, uh, Diners, Dives, and Drive-Ins, or something like that. Did I get that right? Uh, something like that. Diners. Say it again. Diners, drive -ins, and dives. There you go. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Uh, yeah. So I, I guess we have a couple of fans in here of that. Um, but uh, I, you know, as I was as I was looking at the show, I kind of came in mid-show, so I didn't get exactly uh, the beginning. So what really enticed me to stop on that channel was that there was a big slab of ribs, uh, and, and they were <laughs> those ribs were falling right off the bone. Uh, they were juicy. I mean, you know, the barbecue sauce was just—it was just doused. The ribs were doused in barbecue sauce. It looked so good. I mean, they were falling right off the bone. I'm making some of you hungry right now, aren't I? Yeah, I'm actually getting a little hungry myself. We'll wrap this up and go get some barbecue ribs. 
Immediately, my first question when I saw this was, where can I get these ribs? Where can I find these ribs? Was it somewhere close that I could get in the car and drive? Well, it wasn't. It was in Alabama. I actually did consider it, but <laughs> that's how good they looked. Needless to say, if you're ever going through Alabama, stop. I cannot remember the name. It was several years ago, but it was a place. It, it was a, they looked they look so good. Well, this is what takes the place in some respects, in some ways, uh, after Jesus has detailed how they can receive their fill of eternal food. He talks about something he can offer them. He's presented them with uh, something that's, again, falling right off the bone. It's just it's enticing. They want to know where they can get this kind of food. They want to know where they can get uh, what Jesus is offering. Where can they get something that's going to fill them up for eternal life? What is going to uh, give them that ever, that's going to satisfy that everlasting hunger? And they want to know, where can we get this? In verse 28 it says, they asked him, what must we do? What works must we do? what we usually ask, right? What do we got to do to get to heaven? What do we got to do to get this reward? What do we got to do to get this prayer answered? What do we got to do to have God favor us? But the question reveals their thought process. And yet, Jesus dispels another myth here. There is no amount of works that replaces the work of God. He says, focus not on what you can do to get this eternal feel, but focus on what I can do for you. Nothing can replace faith in God. Nothing can replace faith in the one that has sent Jesus Christ. Jesus' answer in verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent, to believe in Jesus Christ. That is the work. It doesn't require any, there's no more complicated than that. Just simply believe in Jesus Christ. Put all your trust in Him. Put all your faith in Him. It's not about doing this list and checking it off and making sure you're good enough to go into heaven. No, have faith in Christ. And we'll receive our feel of spiritual nourishment through believing in the one God has sent. What a relief. And yet a challenge it should be to realize that we don't have to or can't control the work of God. It's a relief because it takes some of the pressure off of us knowing that we can't solve all the world's problems. And yet, it puts us in a very scary place because if we say we can't solve the world's problems, we have to also say we can't always solve our problems. And we have to let go of control and trust in Him. It should be a relief in that we realize that the work of God is perfect and does not depend on our strength or our ability, but it also challenges us to face up giving up control. How many of us have trouble letting go of control? How many of us, uh, that really becomes a daily struggle Letting God take over, taking our hands off the wheel. Well, Jesus says to them, and what Jesus says to them becomes the proof that they are looking for. Look back again, if you will, at verses 30 and 31. 
as they, as again, we see the, the people and what they're focused on. It says, so they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Well, what are you going to do to prove yourself, Jesus? What will you do? Continue on, verse 31. Our forefathers ate manna. Now, they're talking about Moses. Everybody knows it. They didn't, they didn't name drop Moses, but everybody knows. They're talking about Moses. Well, they ate manna in the desert. And it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. How often do we test God? Do we, like the people here, ask, God, what are you doing for us now? How, how often do we doubt if he's really powerful enough or capable enough or caring enough to show up and answer our prayers? These are tough questions to face. So the crowds challenged Jesus. Now let's not forget that, that he, had just gotten, he had just gotten finished feeding the 5,000, okay? And yet they want another miracle. It's like it's never enough, right? That's kind of like what I, I said to begin, earlier when I talked about prayer. You know, it's never enough. We, 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 if we really sit down and we reflect on how many times God has showed up in our lives and see how many times He has answered our prayers and how many times He has responded to us in, in, in a miraculous way, and yet we sit around and again we complain because we want more. We're never satisfied. It's because we're seeking satisfaction in the wrong place. So they look at him, the group of people here, and they challenge him, and they say, you know, Moses gave manna for 40 years. Jesus, you provided bread for only 5,000 once. You only did it once. Moses supplied manna for a whole nation. Jesus, you just gave us ordinary bread. We're hungry again. That bread has been digested. Our stomachs are now empty again. Moses provided bread from heaven. Jesus Will you provide the same kind of bread? Will you provide something that comes from heaven? It changed these questions around a bit. And maybe they step on our toes a little bit. For example, my job pays well. Lord, will you provide for me another way if I cut back my hours so that I can spend more time with family or friends? Or my possessions make me uh, feel rich or important. Lord, will, will you make me feel worthwhile and relevant? Will you put me in a powerful position and give me great status if I give up the desire for possession? Or my addictions or habits, they give me tranquility, they give me peace, they make me feel good. The truth remains that the job that God provides for us. He's, that's the job he's put us in. Those possessions that he's given us, they're just temporary. The status in the Lord comes only through faith, as we've seen, not by high marks, not by accomplishing great tasks. And the tranquility and peace that so often we seek in the personal idols that we have and the and those habits and those addictions that we find ourselves immersed in, well, they have an expiration date. Last time I checked, there's, there's no 
There's no natural high that will last forever. The peace we have in Christ will remain forever. These are the three responses that, that Jesus gives. First, he points out that the gift that Moses gave was, first of all, not from Moses. They have a, a little bit too much focus on those forefathers, on Moses. Second, the manna was not the true bread from heaven, but a, an earthly type. It still had a, an expiration date. They still had to get more manna. Every day they had to get more manna. They had it for 40 years, but they had to get more manna. Finally, Jesus points out that the gift that Moses brought had that expiration date. It ended 40 years. But the gift that Jesus brings is ongoing and provides eternal life. Verse 33 points out that not only is Jesus the bread from heaven, but he's the bread of God. Yes, Jesus is the bread that originates with God and is connected with him in a unique way, but he is also the bread that has life and gives life. Life-giving bread is what Jesus is offering. Through belief and relationship with this bread, with, with Jesus, we experience life abundantly and eternally. We we don't have an expiration date with that kind of that kind of field. The word tells us if we don't want to hunger, if we don't want to thirst spiritually ever again, then we are to accept this bread of life. We are to accept Jesus Christ. And the people's response is what any who are desperate for spiritual fulfillment, they want that bread. The people say, give us this bread. And then Jesus responds in verse 36, I am the bread of life. I've been trying to tell you guys. So which is it? Are we a people who constantly feed ourselves a bread that is stale and not fresh? that is running out, has an expiration date that will leave us hungering for more? Or will we accept a fresh bread of life that will satisfy our hunger forever? Next week we're going to dive a little deeper into Jesus' words here in John chapter 6 as, as he speaks about what what he comes to offer, this actual bread, and what it is, and, what it, and how it provides everlasting life. He will become for those who choose to eat from the right place. In the meantime, let us not forget how important it is to know the taste of that bread of life. And we know that taste from our reliance on Him and our personal relationship with Him, our daily devotion with Him, on our reliance on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Not on trying to accomplish all of the tasks that we get so busy doing, but just stop and acknowledge that He's the one who will lead us and guide us and direct us 
Let us know exactly where to seek our fuel. Our confidence in the provision of the Lord that He will provide. That if we take our hands off the wheel, He'll navigate. That if we trust in Him to provide, we'll suddenly find we're no hungry. We're not hungry anymore. Would you put that trust in the fresh bread from heaven? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we, as we put a little comma on the sermon this morning and we pause and we say that we've learned a lot this morning about this fresh bread from heaven, this, this bread that, that, that Jesus wants to offer those that would accept eternal life. I pray, Lord, that we would anticipate eagerly, knowing, just like the people here, where can we get that bread? And what does it mean to have that bread? What does it look like to have that relationship with Jesus Christ? What does it look like, look like to constantly remain full, to not hunger any longer? What does it actually look like in life to let go of control, put our trust and faith in Him? As we eagerly anticipate learning more about that, I pray, Lord, that that we would just take a chance and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That we would trust that He's going to solve the problems that we're facing. That he's going to lead us and He's going to guide us. And Lord, all the uncertainties that we might be feeling in our lives right now, that we'll just let go of control and put them in God's hands. It doesn't take long to look back if we were truly reflective on our lives and see how you have, you have been present all along, how you have shown up time after time in your faithfulness. You've heard our cries, you've heard our cries, you've heard our prayers. And you have responded time and time again. We thank you, Lord, for those, those times. We pray, Lord, that they would challenge us to trust even more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.